0: everywhere i will follow on so goes the song i have decided to follow jesus i have decided no turning back no turning back jesus said to his disciples follow me and i will make you fishes of men our our dog moogie turned one today it's his birthday and uh, he follows me around the house sometimes Go into the bedroom, he follows you into the bedroom, go into the kitchen. He definitely always follows you into the kitchen. Maybe he's looking for food. Maybe he's looking for company. But he often just follows you around the house. Is that what it means when we follow Jesus? We look for him for company. We follow him for company or for food. Well, you know what? We're going to be looking this morning at stories of people following Jesus and it's actually closer to my dog following me around the house than you might be happy with or imagine. What does it mean to follow Jesus? We're in John's Gospel and we see these men following Jesus in a very literal sense. But what we see in their response 2,000 years ago is exactly the same, I believe, to what our response should be today, 2,000 years later. The first two people following Jesus, I would like to suggest to you, are exemplars. They're the gold standard in what it means to follow Jesus. They were already followers, they're disciples of John the Baptist. They follow John. I'm going to call them Andrew and John, the author of our our gospel, the Apostle John. We don't know for sure if it's John But the hints and indications would suggest that this is Andrew and his friend John, disciples of John the Baptist, who wrote, the same John who wrote John's Gospel. So John and Andrew, I'm calling them, even if I'm wrong. John the Baptist, who they follow, is the leader of a wonderful, amazing new movement. He is like a wild man. He's out in the desert. He's dressing and living and eating rough. And he's proclaiming the kingdom of heaven and people are coming to him from all around and they're turning back to God and they're being baptised by him, this symbol of cleansing for the forgiveness of sins. that They've turned back to God. And he's got these disciples who are following him, sharing in this new movement. You see, Andrew and John are committed. They're following the wild man in the desert. They've invested heavily. When you invest big, when you throw in your lot, it's hard to change tack, isn't it? You know, some of you might be Apple people. You've got the iPhone, you've got the Mac, you might even have, I don't know, you've gone all the way with Apple. It's a big deal to turn around and go to the um, PC, isn't it? Because I'm so invested in Apple. When you invest big, it's hard to change tack. But these two, Andrew and John, though they've invested big, they change direction. They change tack. They go from good to better to best. To put it another way, they go from a good life at home or as fishermen to better, disciples of John the Baptist, to best, disciples, followers of Jesus of Nazareth. They throw in their lot with Jesus. Perhaps it's not so surprising because the one they've been following, John the Baptist, has been preparing the way for Jesus. He's been preparing the way for Israel's Messiah, for the kingdom of heaven to come amongst them. And they've been listening to John's teaching. And what would you do when when John keeps saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the Messiah is coming, I'm just preparing the way. Surely you're thinking, well, who is it? And when are they coming and where are they coming in? So these two men are on the lookout. Who, when, where? Well, the day before our story, we read this in verse 29. John, that's John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, look or behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him but the reason I came baptising with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. John sees Jesus, John the Baptist sees his cousin Jesus and says, Look, behold the Lamb of God. He is the one I've been preparing for. So, verse 35, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing, he said, Look, the Lamb of God, behold. Hey guys, it's the Lamb of God. You can imagine the scene. They're down by the water in the wilderness and John's doing his baptizing business and there's the other John and Andrew there helping him. It's another day but John's been teaching them. John told them yesterday, you guys weren't here but yesterday. The Lamb of God was here. The one I've been preparing for was here. The next day, they're going about their business. Jesus comes passing by, and John, look, guys, the Lamb of God, that's him. Verse 37. When the two disciples heard him say this, look, the Lamb of God, they followed Jesus. John and Andrew are exemplars. They're the pattern to follow. This is following Jesus' gold standard. When they hear John say, behold the Lamb of God, they believe John's word, they trust what he said and they obey they start to follow Jesus. They hear, they believe, they obey. They leave John the Baptist. And John, quite remarkably, as the leader of a movement, is happy to let two of his best disciples go because this is what he's been preparing them for. It's not about him. John the Baptist is like a signpost. You're driving to Wagga down the Hume Highway. You come across a sign that says 10 kilometres to the Wagga turn-off. So you obey it, you keep driving and you're looking, you're looking, you're looking. Five kilometres to Wagga turn-off, you're looking, you're looking, you're looking. One kilometre to Wagga turn-off, you're looking, you're obeying the signs and then it says Wagga this way. And so you turn off. It makes sense, right? John the Baptist is just a signpost and they've been obeying the signpost but when the reality comes... You go that way. You go to Wagga. You don't keep going to Melbourne. It makes perfectly good sense. And Jesus is the way. But but the question you'd ask why would you go to Wagga rather than Melbourne? Why would you follow Jesus rather than John the Baptist? Why don't you stay on the same road? Why, after we've invested so heavily in this guy, John, should we follow a new master? When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and he asked, what do you want? Literally, what are you seeking? What are you looking for, guys? Well, maybe they want... To follow a new cause. Maybe they're just chasing the new adventure. Maybe they think Jesus is where the action is and there'll be power and status, early adapters if they go with Jesus. Maybe they think the future's better with Jesus than with John. Maybe they're tired of John. Maybe they want a new adventure. Do they know what it'll cost? Do they know what the road ahead is like when they follow the sign and turn off and follow Jesus? Well, what are you seeking, says Jesus? That's a really good question. What are you looking for? What do you want? There's a whole pile of people here who would claim to be followers of Jesus. What do you want? Well, I want great music. Thank you, guys. You did a fantastic job. Go what you want. I want... A wonderful worship experience. Now, actually, what I want is, a, is good Bible teaching. That's really important. That's what I want. Actually, I go to church just to catch up with friends. I want a ticket to heaven. I want eternal life insurance. No, no, we want a good kids program. That's essential. Or a youth group. Very few people will admit this. Actually, I'm looking for a life partner. It's a lot easier than going online. I want morning tea, thank you. What are you looking for? What are you seeking? Jesus asked that question and Andrew and John don't answer it. They ask another, they're like an interviewer, a politician being interviewed, they, they ask another question in return. What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Where are you staying? Where are you abiding, the word is. Where are you remaining? It's a big word in John's Gospel. Abide, stay, remain. Where are you at, Jesus? Come, he replied, and you will see. Come, and you'll see where I'm at. So they went and they saw where he was staying. And they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Jesus' question, what do you want, was actually answered by their question. They wanted to be where Jesus was. They wanted to be in his presence. They wanted to abide with him. We want to learn from you. We want to be with you. What do you want? I tell you, here's the best answer. These guys are exemplars. You want to follow Jesus, you just want to be with Him. You want to be where He is at. You want to be in His presence. Learning from Him. Being fed by Him. Growing with Him. I said it's a big word in John's Gospel. In chapter 15, Jesus uses this metaphor. He says... To his disciples, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain or abide in me, same word. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. You must be with Jesus where he is at. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me, says Jesus. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me you can do nothing. What do you want? What are you seeking? We just want to remain, abide where you are, say the disciples. That is following Jesus. That is the greatest motivation. to be with him, to enjoy relational benefits of the Son of God, fruitfulness, purposefulness in your life. When they say, where are you at, Jesus? Jesus says, come and you will see. If you first come, then you will see. That's what a follower does. Psalm 34 says it beautifully. psalmist talks about being with God in verse 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears when I looked for him. Those who looked to him, those who were with him are radiant. Their faces are never covered in shame. They're forgiven and whole. The poor man called to the Lord and the Lord heard him and he saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Oh, the blessings of those who are with the Lord. And then the psalmist says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. The lions may grow weary and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come, says Jesus, and you will see where I am at. John and Andrew, they're exemplars because they hear, they believe and they obey and they go and they see and discover that Jesus is good. What an afternoon and evening they must have had in Jesus' presence. Jesus is the fulfilment of what they'd been hoping for. His teaching is, John was good but Jesus is better. He's the best. They're with the Lord. He's teaching them. He's sharing with them. He's modelling the kingdom to them. The next day they wake up. What are we going to do today, John? I don't know, Andy. I guess we're going to help John baptise again, eh? Oh, yeah. No way! These guys are full of Jesus! They've just spent this time with him. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, which is the Christ. We've found the Messiah. We've found the Christ. Hey, Simes, Simes we've found the Messiah. I just spent the evening with him. These guys are exemplars. The first thing they do is they share the good news. That's what those who follow Jesus should do. Come and taste and see. Andrew loves to do that. He does it through the Gospel of John, always sharing Jesus. First, he shares with Simon his brother. And he brought him to Jesus. Come on, Simon, come meet Jesus. Jesus looked at Simon and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. Now, it's just a small thing. Hey, bro. Come and meet this guy. But Peter's, Simon's life was changed. Cephas' life was changed that day and frankly the world changed that day through the ministry of that man. Peter became a foundational apostle of the church. God was at work in that little invitation. Hey bro, come and see. Come and check it out for yourself. We found the Messiah. Come and check it out. Now Peter hears and believes and obeys. It's a beautiful story of relational, what we might call relational evangelism, which is something we're trying to, as a church, focus on and encourage us all in this year. Sharing the good news of Jesus in simple relationships so that others might hear, believe and obey and find life in Jesus. Your brothers, your sisters, your colleagues, your parents, your neighbours. We don't have here a big program, do we? We don't have months of preparation and the pursuit of excellence. We have brothers. One has good news. And he says, Check it out. It's wonderful. It's an invitation. Because no one will come and see unless someone is prepared to speak so they can first hear or at least get an invite. There's another example, verse 43. The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip also hears, believes and obeys. How do we know that? Well, Philip starts sharing Jesus. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one about whom Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. We have found Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. These guys just are naturally sharing the good news in relationship because it's worth sharing. It's good news. It's easy to share good news, particularly when it's good, good news. And I'm sure you find it very easy to share the good news of Jesus with your friends and family. Well, actually very few of us do, right? Right? You, you find it hard to share Jesus because you fear rejection. You fear perhaps mockery and a sense of exposure. Oh, you, you believe that? You believe he is the Son of God? and So we back away often. We, we, we fear that they might be doubters and a bit superior in their attitude, look down their noses at us that it's somehow easier to be the cynic who sits on the fence. Somehow it's superior to be sitting on the fence committing to nothing than it is to be challenged that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, Philip took the risk and he shared. And it turns out that his mate Nathaniel was a doubter. He did have that superior attitude. We have found the one whom Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. We found Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathanael asked. Let me put this into some context. Let's imagine that Bethsaida is Townsville. Like we in Sydney or those in Jerusalem might think, oh, that's Nothing. But the people in Townsville think Townsville's pretty hot. It's a pretty good place, and it is a nice place, Townsville. We've got Nate and his mate Phil. Phil goes to Nate and says, You wouldn't believe it, Nate. We've found the Messiah. His name's Joshua, which is the same word, his name is Jesus, different language. We found Joshua. He's the son of Joe Goodson from. Ingham. Joshua, son of Joe Goodson, from Ingham. What good thing has ever come from Ingham? Get out of here. Do you know what Phil says? It's beautiful what Phil says next. If you've got your Bible, if you can have a look. Phil says this. He says to Nate, come and see. Come and see. You reckon nothing good can come from Ingham? Come and see. Beautiful answer. Philip trusts Jesus. He says, just come and check it out. You might be surprised. I've got a friend in this church who's got another friend who's a committed atheist. They're good friends. My friend has made a deal with him. Hasn't worked out yet, but it's a great deal. He says, "You come to me to church just once, and sit with me and meet the people and hear about Jesus, and I will go to with you to any atheist or any other meeting you want me to go with, go to, and then we'll talk afterwards, and you tell me where the life is." Now I haven't seen his friend yet. I'm hoping, but it's a good deal. Because what my friend is saying has just come and see. Just come and see. Because the reality is it doesn't matter how much you doubt Jesus. Jesus doesn't doubt you, he knows you, as Nathaniel finds out. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, he said, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathal declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. When Joshua saw Nate approach, he said, He is an Aussie in whom there is absolutely no bullcrap." How do you know me? I saw you when you were sitting on the veranda. Before Philip even spoke to you, I knew you. My oh my, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. You know me. For every doubter, be assured, Jesus knows you. And the question is, do you know him? Because those who know, they hear, believe, obey and they follow him. And that's what Nathanael starts to do. He recognises Jesus as the Messiah. And then Jesus says this quite strange thing. Jesus says, you believe, Nathanael, because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. No, that's nothing. He says, very truly I tell you, you will see the heaven open and the angels of God ascending ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, what's that about? That's the greater things. In fact, Jesus says, you all, he's talking about all of his followers, will see greater things. The heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It's a reference to the Old Testament and a story in the Old Testament. So, it's a little bit complex, but it's worth the effort if you can hang in there. Genesis 28... Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, who was a deceiver, unlike Nathanael. The true Israel was a deceiver. He deceived his brother Esau, and Esau was mighty angry. So Jacob had to run and flee. And he heads off running and he falls asleep one night and has a dream. Genesis 28, I'll read from verse 10. Jacob left Bathsheba and sent out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending on it. I'm having this dream. There's angels all the way up and down this stairway to heaven. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, here's what the Lord says, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, and I will give you deceiving man, Israel. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. And your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your seed, your offspring. I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave until I have done what I have promised to you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven and he named the place Bethel which means house of God strange dream, strange story heaven opens and there as heaven opens we have the Lord promising blessing upon the whole earth that all peoples of the earth will be blessed through Jacob and his descendants the angels are going up and down as heaven and earth are joined Jesus says to his followers, to Nathanael and those who believe, here, believe and obey, Jesus says, Jacob's dream is your reality. But you're going to see the angels of God ascending. The stairway to heaven is the Son of Man. The Son of Man in Daniel chapter 7 is a great ruler who is given honour and glory and sovereign power the Messiah. Jesus says, I am the stairway to heaven. I am heaven's gate. Through me, you can approach the Lord, the Father. That's what you're going to see, Nathaniel. That's what you'll see if you follow me. Heaven will be open through me. Because I am the stairway to heaven. Jesus is speaking about His coming death and resurrection and glorification through which we, as we trust in Him, as we follow Him and believe on Him, can get access to eternity. Even for doubters, provided they hear, believe and obey and put their faith in Jesus. All of these men, we have the exemplars, we have those sharers, we even have the doubter. All of these men became followers of Jesus because they came and they saw. They tasted and they saw that the Lord was good. They went to Jesus and the world was changed through them. Their ministry has changed my life as they have introduced me to Jesus and millions of others. And it can, their ministry in pointing to Jesus can change your life. But you must become a follower. You must come and see. You must hear, and not just hear, but believe, and not just believe, but obey. That's the theme for our church for this year. Will you hear, believe, and obey? This year, that's why we're preaching through Gospel, John's Gospel, because John's Gospel tells us again and again. You're going to get sick of this. I'm sorry. I'm pleased. You're going to get sick of us here saying, "Here, believe, obey," because John's Gospel is all about here, believe, obey. In Term Four, we want you to come to Jesus. We want you to come to Jesus now. Sorry, Term Two of school term two. We want you to come to Jesus. We want you to come and see. We're putting out a program, we're asking everyone in our church to read through John's Gospel in one term. We've got this book, Life for Kids. It's a great book for you. It's written for adult primary to read through John's Gospel. We've got 50 readings, 10 weeks in a term, that's 5 readings per week, they're only short. And you know what's wonderful about this? Because it's for kids, the readings are short, and the comments are simple. So if you can get past the pictures, and I love the pictures, we're going to encourage everybody to buy this book and use this book in Term 2 for, their, for five days a week so you get two days of oh, the pressures off for our short readings. Five days a week we're going to read through John's Gospel. These will be available for purchase next week for $10.00. But what we're doing this for is we want you to come to Jesus. Maybe you're a doubter. Who is this man? Is this true? Well, if you're a doubter, I just want to say to you, come and see. Meet the man. One of the best ways to meet the man is to read John's Gospel. Grab a book. A short reading every day. Simple questions, which are actually quite good for adults. I've been through part of this, some of it. It's actually quite good. It's simple, but it's good. Meet Jesus. And as you do, listen to him and see if you should believe and obey. Maybe you're a follower already. I want to ask you, how much time are you spending with Jesus. Are you spending time with him? Are you remaining, abiding in him? If not, I want you to come and see. Again, get a copy of the book and spend next term in John's Gospel because it will change you to spend time with Jesus in his word and the wonderful way that God works is he opens up the word by the power of his spirit. So we're not just reading about a man 2,000 a year ago. The Spirit, I believe, opens up our hearts so we're talking about the man who is alive and who we know today. Maybe you're a sharer and it's hard to share, isn't it? I'd invite you to come and see and spend some time with Jesus and see if spending time with Him in His Word and reading about Him again doesn't cause you to want to share Him even more. And overcome that reluctance that Philip didn't feel of being rejected. So that you might just say to your friends, your family, come and see. Meet Jesus. Spend time with him. And pray that he might transform us into his glory. Let me pray. Lord, help us. To know Christ and the power of His resurrection, and even the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings that we might be conformed ever more to His image and your glory. this is a big prayer. we would want it. we want it. We want to know Jesus Christ. We want to know our Lord and Savior and friend. We ask in His name. Amen. want our friends to come and see because we know in the end that it's not just their opinion of Jesus that matters, it's Jesus' opinion of them that really counts and we know that the risen Lord is the one who sits in judgment of us all one day and so our last song is a bit sobering but we're going to sing about Jesus' triumph as we uh, see him coming on the clouds of heaven. Let's stand.